Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate teen mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi, everyone. How are you? I feel like I haven't done a podcast in years, (laughs) even though I haven't missed a week in a while, but it just feels like it's been a long time. I think it's because the last two episodes I did had a co-host and it's just been a while since I sat down and recorded a podcast by myself. And I'm going to be honest, I'm like not really feeling this Team Mom episode. You know, I went to Fleetwood Mac last night. I had a great time. Stevie Nicks is incredible. A fun fact about me is I thought I had written the song Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow when I was a child. I remember like being on the bus and that line coming into my head. And I guess I didn't actually know that song, but like I had heard it, but it wasn't a, like I didn't know the full song. And I was like, wow, don't stop thinking about tomorrow. I was like, that's a great line. And then I like thought I was a genius songwriter and for like years, And then I like heard the song one day and was like, oh, hmm, I guess, I guess I did not write the incredible line, don't stop thinking about tomorrow. (laughs) Oh my God. But anyway, this season of Teen Mom 2 has been really bad. I have not enjoyed this season of Teen Mom 2 and that's upsetting for me. Um, I'm thinking about maybe next week doing an old episode if it's boring again, uh, let me know. Come on to my Facebook page, EVP underscore feathers. Not my Facebook page, my Instagram page. Um, definitely not my Facebook. <laughs> By the way, if you happen to be friends with me on Facebook, like, please just never post anything about Teen Mom on my wall. I don't like to um, expose that part of my life to the general public anymore. But you can come on my Instagram page for this podcast which I try and keep up with and keep pretty active. And you can let me know if you would like me, like if next week's episode is a dud, if you would like me to keep recapping it or if I should recap like a classic old episode. Because I don't know, I don't love doing a podcast where I'm just like, this was boring, this was boring, there's nothing to talk about. Like I don't love doing that and I can't imagine that that's very interesting for you guys. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think I'd want to hear a podcast about a show that was really bad and the host, like, okay, here's the thing, like, I kind of always hated Teen Mom. It's not about me hating the show because, like, I love to hate watch. It's about me being, like, completely uninterested in the show. I don't think that that is enjoyable to listen to. Now, I know some of you are going to be like, no, we love it no matter what, and I deeply appreciate that, but I definitely need to figure out something to do if Team Mom 2 is going to be such a dud. I'm not that worried about Team Mom OG because when that comes back, Young and Pregnant will probably be coming back. And between OG and Young and Pregnant, there's, you know, between Young and Pregnant having a lot of drama, 
it's usually not that hard for me to like power through OG quickly and then talk about the team mom, young and pregnant as I've done in the past. But I'm just not sure where we go with this just teen mom too. So yeah, maybe I could quickly talk about this episode, like quickly talk about the new episodes and then recap an old episode, start season one, episode one, which I think, God, can you let me know if I've recapped season one, episode one? And if I have, I'll start at season one, episode two. (laughs) I can't remember because season one, episode one is like fucking amazing from the jump like Barb and Janelle got into a physical fight in that episode I think I have recapped it but anyway yeah so you guys let me know what you think you'd be interested in hearing what is a good idea um I just am not feeling very energized about these episodes like when I have somebody on I guess it's pretty easy but the reality is I don't like to have guests every week um episodes with guests are much easier for me to record But then I have to, like, plan and record early usually and set everything up. And I like just talking on here by myself. So, yeah, you let me know. Um, The first thing I want to talk about is I posted this week on my Instagram, EVP underscore feathers. I posted about Farah posted this vlog on YouTube that's, like, 10 minutes long. But it's not really a vlog. She just, like, went live on YouTube. And she's walking around outside and talking about how Sophia is, like, such a disappointment to her. <laughs> and how she had, like, an epic meltdown, as she describes it, over Sophia. Um, I saw, first of all, it's fucking crazy. I posted probably what I thought was the most interesting moment, like, minute of it on my Instagram. I woke up, what day was this? Wednesday, maybe? Um, I usually don't, like, open my computer at all before I go to work in the mornings. Like, I just internet for my phone, but my I don't like to turn on my TV or my computer in the mornings before I go to work because it's just not part of my habit anymore. And I can, like, spend too much time on my computer. Not that I can't spend too much time on my phone, but something about the act of, like, opening the computer, then I'll start watching YouTube videos, and it's just not great. So I get on Reddit on my phone in the morning and I see this fair vlog and I was like, holy shit, I need to post this on my Instagram. So I, (laughs) like a psycho, I like pull my computer out, I download the YouTube video, I pull it up in iMovies, I edit out just the one minute. I'm really bad at iMovies. It's really hard to teach yourself video editing if you have no idea how to do it. Might be easier if you have Final Cut Pro, but here's the thing. I'm not a video editor, so I'm not going to pay $300 for Final Cut Pro. If you have a spare product key lying around for Final Cut Pro that you want to send me, and then I can start cutting together more teen mom content after I learn how to actually use the program, then I would appreciate that. But until then, I'm going to have to be on the struggle bus with iMovie. So I cut down that one minute of footage because it just, like, needed to be seen. And Instagram isn't the best for sharing long content. And I could have just posted on my Twitter, but here's the thing. I do have EBP underscore feathers on Twitter, and I used to use it a lot more, but I don't really... I'm, like, once I really got into Instagram and I have, like, a decent amount of followers on there... um, like not a lot, like a thousand followers on there. And I find that it's really active and every post that I make gets like 10 comments. <laughs> Get 10 comments, guys. But they're like 10 good comments that are interesting to read. And I just like 
for this space, I just like my Instagram better than Twitter. Also, I found that Twitter, it's like kind of impossible to about tweet about T-Mom on Twitter without um, veering into like the the hatters, you know, like the Janelle haters. And it just gets so aggressive on Twitter. And I really like that the Instagram is mostly just people who are fans of this show. Like, I don't think anybody's really following that doesn't listen to this show. And if they are, it's because they were like specifically tagged by a friend who watched this show. They're not just like stumbling upon my stuff and like, then we have to fight. Like, I'm always, like, I always have to fight on Twitter. Like, and that doesn't happen on Instagram. So I appreciate that. I don't know where I was. Oh, so like, in the morning before work, I like edited down this video because it was so important for me to get on this fucking, <laughs> on this, sh- like to get this out into the world. But I read a comment on Reddit that I thought was really probably exactly what happened. So in the video, Fair's talking about the fact that Sophia doesn't appreciate anything that she's done for her. It's like she has no idea that Fair went to college. And at one point, Farrah's like, and she doesn't know I have degrees and like, things and you can tell Farah in that moment like remember that she lies about having multiple degrees and master's degrees do you guys remember when her dad like direct messaged me and claimed that she had multiple degrees and she had even gotten her master's but he wouldn't tell me from what school <laughs> that was funny and on Farah's LinkedIn it said she went to pay the pace school yes in New York City for accounting when did that happen Nobody knows. And if you, like, Google it, she just gave one interview that says that she was going to go. But there's no further information out there. So you can tell in this video she's, like, talking about her degree. You know, the associate's degree she got from her culinary school. Um, And she then remembers, like, whoopsie, I lied about this. Let me not get into this. But she's talking about the fact that, like, Sophia doesn't care that she... um, travels the world, that she's Italian, that she loves to cook. And somebody on Reddit posited that Sophia had auditioned for MasterChef Junior. And I think Fair did post this like on her social media and that Sophia went into the audition and like didn't talk about Farah and her traveling the world, her being Italian and being into cooking and basically blew the audition and Fair flipped out. That to me is very, very believable that fa- that Sophia blew an audition and then Farrah like lost her fucking mind because we as all as we all know, uh, Farrah is obsessed with making Sophia a star. And as we all know, Sophia is not a star. <laughs> She's just a normal kid and normal kids are not stars. I know a lot of normal kids who I love and I think they're great and They're funny and smart and charming, but they're not stars. And that would be one Sophia. (laughs) She's not a star. And so Ferris, like, even says at one point, like, you know, I wish Sophia the best. (laughs) Uh, And talks about how she has a vibe with Sophia. I'm just really worried about Sophia, guys. (laughs) Sophia really needs to be removed from Ferris' care. Like, I'm not sure where she should go. I don't think going to Michael or Deb is, like, really a great option. And I don't want her to go to foster care. Although, although, if Sophia is technically a resident of Austin, Texas, and if one Princess Jones Curtis is reinstating her foster care license... And she has a beautiful new home. And Sophia is under the jurisdiction of Austin, 
Texas Child Protective Services or whatever they call their version of CPS, could one Sophia Abraham, why do I never know Farrah's last name is Abrams or Abraham? There's honestly something malfunctioned in my brain that I cannot remember what her last name is. I know every fucking detail about this show, but I don't know how to pronounce Farrah's last name. I think I just have to accept that. Anyway, what if Sophia gets removed from Farrah's care and she goes to live with Princess? Wow. Wow. I mean, would would that not be incredible? Princess is, like, listening to this now and I'm about to get, like, a curse me out text. Like, don't wish that on her. But, I mean, I'm, I'm wishing it on her. Because I think Princess is a really good mom. <laughs> I didn't mean to laugh after that. I do genuinely think Princess is a really good mom. But, <laughs> imagine Princess driving, like, Sophia to McDonald's. You know, where they, like, have to have the visitation set up with Farah. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, make sure to comment on my Instagram if you support Princess being fair or Sophia's foster mom. I support it. I think it'd be really good for everybody. Oh, or Sophia's life would be about a thousand times better than whatever shit Farrah has her doing. I'm, I'm just so worried for her, guys. I really am worried. I... There's no way that she lives any sort of healthy life. I'm very worried about grooming. My dog is barking. By the way, are you guys listening to the Root of Evil podcast? If you have a strong stomach, I highly recommend it. But trigger warning for everything. Rape, sexual abuse, child sexual abuse, murder. Um, It's about the guy who killed the Black Dahlia, but not really about... The Black Dahlia Killing, it's about his, like, crazy fucked up family. And I had, like, six separate people recommend me this podcast. And I was like, I don't care about the Black Dahlia Killing. Here's the thing. I've loved true crime, like, my entire fucking life. But I'm kind of over true crime podcasts. I'm, like, pretty specific in what I like in a true crime podcast. And I'll, like, jump in and out of some true crime podcasts. Like, I'll listen to Case File every once in a while. Um, But I'm not... I don't know. I'm just, like, kind of over a true crime podcast. I love to read, like, a true crime article. I love uh, the Reddit Unresolved Mysteries sub. Um, I like to watch a Dateline or a 2020 episode or, like, an ID discovery type of thing. But what I don't love is true crime podcasts anymore. I think the market has just been totally saturated. Literally nobody cares. So somebody... Like, multiple people kept telling me to listen to this, and I was like, don't care about the Black Dahlia, I don't care about the Black Dahlia. Um, And then finally, Jesse, who's been on this podcast multiple times, is like, you have to fucking listen to this. And I had a long drive to Virginia last week, and I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to it on my drive down to Virginia. And holy shit, it is the best podcast that I've heard in maybe two years. I think the last podcast I, like, felt this excited about was Dirty John. Which, yes, I know that's a true crime. This is what I mean. I'm very specific. Um, it, it's just, it's so good, but it's really fucking dark and gross. And how did we get on the root of evil? Do I think that Farah is a Tamar? I mean, I don't not think that. I don't not think that, guys. Um, 
Also, I read a really weird article about Michelle Phillips today because she was Tamar's best friend, as they talk about on The Root of Evil. You know, Michelle Phillips from The Mamas and the Papas. And then I was, like, reading more about Mackenzie Phillips being abused by John Phillips, which is, like, a real wild story. Um, And then I... And then, and then, and then. I love the Mamas and the Papas, but John Phillips is a literal monster. I 100% believe Mackenzie Phillips. I think it's really shitty that Michelle Phillips denies it, or at least denied the abuse back when this story came out, especially considering her daughter, China, Mackenzie's half-sister, believes it. Um, I'm so on a tangent, but I... Did you guys read Mackenzie Phillips' book? Did I read Mackenzie Phillips' book? I don't know if I did. I think I just, like, watched Oprah and... Mackenzie on CNN and like heard her on NPR. Also, of course, I watched Mackenzie Phillips on Celebrity Rehab. Remember Celebrity Rehab, guys? I'm so off topic. I'm so off topic, but I do like old Hollywood stuff. So The Root of Evil is like, it's, <laughs> it's fucking incredible. Although I am like slowly watching the TV show that was based on the same story and I will say the first episode, two episodes are, like, not great, and it's really not needed, but I am curious to see where it goes. I thought it was going to be a more, um, pure adaptation, I guess, but I didn't realize that the TV show had been in production for a long time, and the podcast is, like, the companion piece to that, and the the podcast is, like, the real story, and the TV show is more of, like, based on a true story for TV entertainment. Does that make sense? Where am I? Oh, right, that Tamar is Farah, Sophia is Debbie. It's it's bad. Anyway, let me talk about something that you guys will know what I'm talking about. Because, <laughs> like, the 19 people that listen to The Root of Evil are like, oh, fuck yeah, and everybody else is like, what is this dumb bitch talking about? Which is, like, kind of my life story, that I have, like, extremely specific knowledge about things that most people don't care about, and I talk about these things, and people are like, why are I I don't care um hence the fact that I have a teen mom podcast because nobody cares to listen to me talk about teen mom in my regular life anyway should we get into this episode um I once again I can't believe Chelsea was the only interesting part of an episode <laughs> you know god bless the lens right like god bless the lens because if it wasn't for the lens, we would have nothing in this entire episode. I just don't know what to do, guys. Like, Janelle isn't filming. I don't care about Barbara and Andrew. Like, my care level for Andrew is truly non-existent. I don't care about anything having to do with Andrew. Anything. He's not a compelling character to me. This drama of, like, will he be in Jace's life? Will he not be in Jace's life? has no interest to me. I do understand that there's absolutely a trauma in the fact that Jace's dad is not in the picture whatsoever and that he has that loss. But, and it's a big but, Jace's life has just been one trauma after another trauma after another trauma and it's all been on our TV that when they sit around and they talk about Andrew not being there, I'm like, who the fuck cares? Like, Janelle pulled a fucking gun out in front of Jace, a mere eight months ago. (laughs) Like, Jace was just sitting in the front seat as his mom chased down a car and then pulled a gun and threatened to shoot a man. And I'm supposed to, like, believe that Andrew not being in the picture is, like, this big dramatic thing that we need to talk about? Because I don't believe it, guys. 
It's not something that I believe. It doesn't make sense. (laughs) And it's so, ooh, I just got a really weird hiccup. It's so set up by production that it, it feels a little insulting to me. It feels a lot insulting to me. And Barbara, it's just like when she talks about how much she wants to protect Jace and lotta, lotta, lotta. It's like, Jace goes to the land every other weekend. I, I don't think you're that concerned about Andrew and Jace when it comes to his safety. Okay, but let's talk about the actual episode instead of me just complaining after a quick break. I will say, when it comes to Kale, I was interested to see Chris so clearly showed in this episode, so clearly involved in the storyline, his family agreeing to film, but he wasn't shown and his voice wasn't played, like his voice was blurred. I actually, okay, I don't know if this is controversial, I know everyone hates Kale, but I felt deeply sad for her in this episode because I really related to it and Kale's getting a little old for this behavior but this was very much me in my early 20s and it's why I haven't dated in so long um because I would rather be single than be like this in relationships that's sad (laughs) I'll look into my life no I just like don't know anybody to date and I fucking hate online dating But we find out, like, we just see more into the Kale and Chris relationship and how much he is not into her, but how much he needs her to be into him. I think that's the clear takeaway. You know, I see post after post on Twitter and on Reddit, like, why doesn't Kale just know that Chris isn't into her? And yeah, on one hand, like, it is obvious that Chris isn't into her, um, the way that she wants him to be. But on the other hand, he texts her, he loves her, his family is clearly involved with her, she goes and stays with him all the time, he comes to her son's birthday party, you know, and they've been hooking up for three years, as she said. So that's a lot of mixed messages. I don't think it's as simple to say that Chris isn't into her. Chris is into her. He's just not into being serious with her. And Kale cannot accept that. And that's depressing, to say the least. Like, that, watching this play out on screen, like, I was cringing the whole time. It was so relatable to me. Like, driving an hour to hang out with a guy that, like, doesn't give a fuck about you is, like, peak Liz in her early 20s. And Kale so desperately needs therapy and to, work on her, bleh, and to work on herself because she doesn't have to be like this in relationships. She doesn't have to be in relationships like this. But I can tell that she does not know how to, like, stop and how to quit. And I think Chris absolutely knows that and takes advantage of it. You know, they don't talk all week after he accidentally sends her a text meant for his ex-girlfriend, which oh, I've done that. Except, like, obviously... Well, not obviously, but, like, not in a romantic sense. But, like, I've texted the wrong people things. (laughs) Oh, it's, like, really awful when that happens. But it's really obvious that Chris knows how to play her and manipulate her. And, you know, they don't talk all week. She's clearly mad at him. So he shows up to Lincoln's birthday and then is texting her that he loves her later. And it's manipulative as fuck. And I feel for her. But then on the other hand, it's like, I don't feel that bad for her because she is a grown-ass adult 
she has three children and she's been doing this thing for three years. I mean, I did it for a lot longer than three years, <sighs> but she's been doing it for three years. And at some point it's like, she has to end it. Like the only way that this shit with Chris ends is that she like makes a choice for it to end. So they're do it's Lincoln's birthday. Javi and Kayla are doing separate parties, which is for the best. Um, I do think, I wonder what it's like to be a kid and have like two separate full on parties, but I would guess that Javi's party is more like his family. He has a large family. So I would guess that Kale's is the one that all his little friends come to and Javi's is the one with his cousins and aunts and uncles and those type of things. Like I'd be surprised if you have a kid in elementary school that has divorced parents that does separate parties, can you let me know if you've ever been invited to, like, both those parties? It seems like that would be tacky, right? <laughs> if you had to, like, go to two separate parties for the same kid and bring them gifts. I I don't know. I support separate parties. Like, if you can't get along, it's for the best. <laughs> Although I do think that one should be more family-focused and a little smaller because I think that's a good way to produce a very spoiled child if you are too extravagant in like two ways for everything. So we find out that Kale has been driving an hour to see Chris. Like basically every time the older boys go with their dad, she like hops in her car with Lex and drives to Chris's house. Um, I'm guessing he probably lives in the Wilmington area. I think I read that online. Um, and she goes and stays with him and she's like really making an effort for it to work, but it's not working because he sent a text to her that was meant to go to his ex, basically like trying to hang out. Um, Kale tells her friend that like, she's not uninviting Chris from Lincoln's party, but she doesn't think he's going to show up. And she's like, my relationship with Chris doesn't have anything to do with Lincoln. And I'm like, what, what the, what does that mean? Of course, her relationship with Chris has everything to do with his relationship with Lincoln. <laughs> Lincoln only knows Chris because of Kale. Lincoln only sees Chris because of Kale. It's such a weird statement. It's such a weird statement because, and also it, it's hard for me to kind of put into context because I don't understand how close Chris and Lincoln are because we have not seen that on the show. You know, she, like, when if she says, like, my relationship with Javi doesn't have anything to do with his relationship with Isaac, like, that one I can comprehend a little more, even though I still disagree with it, but I can comprehend it a little more because we know that Javi raised Isaac for the first five years of his life or however many years. By the way, how is Lincoln only five? I feel like Javi has been on this show since season one and Lincoln has always been on this show. I'm feeling a little confused in, like, my Javi and Kale timeline. So I feel like they've been divorced for five years at this point. <laughs> right? Does does anybody else feel like Javi and Kale have been uh, fully divorced for five years? And so we are a little confused on how they have a five-year-old together. Just me? Let me know. Let me know in the Instagram comments. So when she says, like, my relationship with Chris has nothing to do with Lincoln, it, it's just very confusing to me. It's very confusing to me because especially if like she's only seeing Chris when the boys are at their dad's house, like how involved was Chris? Also, why, if I'm Chris, like I'd want to go stay in Kale's like nice house. Like I'm sure wherever he's living, I don't know if we know where he lives. Does he live with his family? Um, I doubt he has like 
a four bedroom home to himself. If he's in a part, I mean, he's a young guy. He's in his early twenties. I think he's younger than Kale, so I doubt he has his own apartment. Like if he has, obvious. I mean, like I doubt he has a spot that he lives in without roommates because I'm. He either lives with family or he lives with roommates, probably. Um, I'm just guessing because we don't know anything about Chris. <laughs> we know nothing about Chris. So why wouldn't he want to come stay at Kale's house? And that's like where his ba- his baby lives. And you think like, if I'm Chris, I would drive the hour and come and like be living. Like to me, it seems like it would make more sense for him to come there because that's like where all of Lux's stuff is. That's where Lux's bedroom is. That's where Lux's toys are. It just confuses me. And I, I'm assuming the point is that he like just doesn't want to drive to see her. <laughs> ay, 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 ay. Poor Kale. Uh, Kale also says that she thinks Chris is going to bring drama to her party, which I found interesting. I thought that this episode was kind of revealing of like, how that Chris is like an asshole not in just like the way he treats her but that like he comes to the party and is kind of talking shit like while he's at the party and like being weird ignoring Kale like just don't come to the party you know you can send Lincoln a gift like there's no you don't need to be there if you're gonna come and be mad that Chris's aunt is talking to like be mad that your aunt is talking to her um I think it's very weird to, like, go to a party thrown by Kale and not talk to her. Because don't give me this shit that it's Lincoln's birthday party. Yes, it's Lincoln's birthday party, but he's five. And it's actually the adult's party because they're the one throwing it and paying for it. And if you think that you can come to a party that I am throwing and paying for and not say hello to me, then you have another thing coming for you. I don't I don't play with manners like that. That's not... That's not acceptable. By the way, I hope you don't hear like a ton of rustling because I'm, I can't get comfortable right now. <laughs> my, my bed desk isn't comfortable for me right now. I really want to get like a handheld microphone because my Blue Yeti microphone is 7,000 pounds and they had one on sale and micro one the other day and I almost bought it, but then I like didn't because I did it. I truly don't need it, but I want to get a handheld mic so I can easily lay down. Guys, my life is so hard. <laughs> Anyway, um, I was surprised to see Chris's aunt there. Also, they were at Sky Zone. I've been really wanting to go to a Sky Zone lately now that I've gotten back into yoga and working out. And I, the last time I went to Sky Zone, I was like at my heaviest weight. I hadn't worked out in like two years. I was so out of shape that after like five minutes, it just wasn't fun. And now I'm like in decent shape and flexible again and feel confident in my ability to do like backflips and stuff. So I would like to go to Sky Zone, is what I'm saying. <laughs> There's like a trampoline park kind of near me, but I'm wondering like how weird it would be for me to go on my own. Although I guess I could get my friends to go with their kids with me. Okay, that's what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to arrange for that to happen. <laughs> hey guys, can we meet at Downingtown uh, Trampoline Park and you guys can bring your kids so I don't seem feel fucking weird? <laughs> Anyway, um, I was surprised to see his family there, but apparently Kale said on Twitter that she is pretty close with his family. Guys, I'm just, I feel like we're missing so much context when it comes to Chris, and it's kind of crazy to think that Kale has 
this really whole life with Chris that just, like, has not been on this show. That we have not seen at all. Not for one fucking second. Um, so Chris talks, uh, Chris, Chris talks to you. Kale talks to Chris's aunt and Chris turns around. He's like, you're petty or you're fake. I think he says you're fake. And Kale's like, oh, I'm the fake one. And honestly, I didn't think his aunt was very, was very great. Um, she clearly enables him. She clearly was on his side, which like, whatever, it's her, it's her nephew. Like, I it makes sense that she's going to be on his side, but I didn't really like the position she took with Kale. Um, I also like when Chris says like you're fake to his aunt for talking to Kale at the party that Kale has thrown. It really shows me like that those two fight a lot. They get into battles. Like I have a feeling that those two get into blowout fights. So when Kale was like, he's the one that's fake. And her aunt was like, no, he's not fake. And Kale was like, what would you call, like, being with me and then texting other girls? (laughs) Which is like, yeah, agreed. What would you call that? That's fake. Um, His aunt says that, like, he tells everyone that he genuinely likes Kale. And Kale's like, likes? And she's like, no, no, love, love. You just make it difficult. Oh, my God. And basically the takeaway is that, like, Chris has never had a serious relationship. Kale has. Kale's looking for something very serious and Chris is not. Which is, you can't have a non-serious relationship with somebody that you have a baby with. You either have a serious relationship or you have, like, a co-parenting relationship. You don't have a friends with benefits relationship with someone that you co-parent or that you have a baby with. I mean, like. Some people do, but that's not a healthy situation. So Heather thinks that Heather is her name, Aunt Heather. Um, She's like, well, Chris is here. Like, that's his apology. (laughs) That's what I mean by I didn't really like what she had to say. Like, that, that's not correct. Like, Chris, if what Kale says is true, and we all know there's a big if there, then Chris owes her, like, a legitimate apology, and just showing up is not an apology. But it's true that it, it's obvious that that is his form of an apology, because then he texts her later that day to say, I love you. So I think this is what they do. They, like, Chris, Kale puts, like, 100% effort into being with Chris. Chris lets her come over and has sex with her and pretends to be more into her, want more than he does. Chris cheats on her but the word isn't even cheating because they're not actually in a relationship they don't talk for a little bit and then like Chris shows up and is like love you and Kale lets him do that that's sad to me that's like a really sad way to live a life um so the producer wants to know like what's going on if they're going to be exclusive I love that the producer's always asking Kale she's going to be exclusive with Chris producer I don't, I think his name is Patrick. Producer, the answer is no. They're not exclusive. They're never going to be exclusive. Chris doesn't want to be exclusive. He's not interested in being exclusive. He refuses to be exclusive with her. I also thought it was interesting that Kale said to him, like, you know, it depends on who asks if either one of us will say that we're together or not. I'm like, what kind of answer is that? First of all, I don't believe that that is a true Like, I don't believe that to be true for Kale. I think that Kale 
wants them to be together, but won't say them they're together because she knows that they're not together. Does that make sense? Like, I don't believe that Kale tells anybody they're together because I think Kale knows that they're not together. I would maybe believe that Chris tells... No, I bet neither of them. They maybe tell each other together. I don't know. I don't understand anything about their relationship. I don't I don't understand what Kale's doing. And she's like, if things don't get better by next year, I'm really... I'm going to end this. <laughs> Guys. Guys. Did you hear her say that? Did you all hear her say that? That if it doesn't get better in a year, she's going to end it? <laughs> a year that's such a long time kale that was the most pathetic thing i've ever heard anyone ever admit to here's the thing like at least when i was doing this i like didn't talk about it out loud because i knew i sounded like a fucking idiot and like i could not tell people could you imagine like if he's not better next year then i I'm really going to end it then. Like, Kale, if you're not ending it now, like, you're not ending it in a year. Oh, my God. And she talks about how she's lonely and she wants somebody to, like, raise her kids with and be married to. And, girl, I don't think that's what she wants either, to be honest. I don't really think Kale wants somebody to, like, be, to raise her kids with. I think Kale... Like, once, I think what Kale would really thrive in is in a situation where she, like, maybe was with a guy that was not interested in being married, was not interested in having more kids, and just, like, let her do her own thing, but also, like, really loved her and wanted to hang out with her a lot. I don't think Kale will ever let a guy, like, come into her life and really, like, be a full partner to her. I think Kale's going to really struggle with that. And I think that's why she keeps, like, fucking around with Chris and chasing Chris. Because he won't give her, like, a relationship. And I think deep down she just does not want a relationship. Um, So she, like, keeps going on with Chris. Because if she's going on with Chris, then she doesn't have to, like, figure that out. That's my deep thoughts on what I think Kale is doing. But yeah, this episode was hard for me to watch with her. I was cringing. Like, full body cringed the entire episode. Okay, let's go on to Brie, I guess. Okay, here's the thing. Nothing happened with Brie, Leah, or Barbara. Not Janelle, Barbara. So I'm going to talk about these three segments. Unfortunately, guys, this is going to be a short episode. Although, I mean, I've already been talking for 40 minutes. But I don't think this episode is going to be much longer than an hour. Because just nothing really happened. As I said, and there's just not that much to talk about. But... Once again, if you would like me to recap old episodes, um, I'm going to do, I think I am going to do that. I think I'm making a decision that I want to talk about something that's actually exciting and fun to talk about. So, Brie and the fam go to Puerto Rico. That's it. It was cute. There was a nice scene where they were talking to Nova about, like, her heritage and her ethnicity and the fact that she's half black and half Puerto Rican. I, um, and that she, um, wow, I just totally lost my train of thought. And that they tell her that she's Afro-Latina. I thought that was nice. I thought that was a nice scene. Um, that's probably the only people on the show that, like, actually care about things like that. (laughs) You know? They're the only family that would, like, care to talk about their heritage on TV. I don't think anybody else on this show has any deep thoughts on their background. 
I they talk to her about her hair. I like when they talk about her hair and Devon is just like really grateful that they let him go on vacation. <laughs> Which like hell yeah, he got a free MTV vacation. Good for you, Devon. Uh they're still talking about changing Devon or Nova's last name to Devon's. Uh Nova doesn't even know what Devon's last name is. <laughs> Guys. I mean, she's six. It's fine. She's in first grade. I'm not sure if I knew, like, what other people's last names were besides my own when I was in first grade. Like, I don't know if I knew, like, what my Aunt Judy's last name was, let's say. You know, because she's a different last name than my mom. But I I don't know. Is that normal? <laughs> Why are they going to change this girl's last name to a name she doesn't even know? It just... It makes no sense. The goal should obviously be to change Stella's name. Devon doesn't even seem into it. I don't think Devon believes it. I think he knows it's a storyline. They're asking her how she would feel, and she's like, I don't fucking know. At least when it came to changing um, Aubrey's last name, like, she had a full understanding of what a last name was, what her last name was. And they were changing it so that she would have the same last name as everybody else that lived in her house, which is her mom, her stepdad, and at the time, her baby brother. So she had, like, a hyper understanding of the last name DeBoer. Like, the last name Austin has no relevance to Nova's life. Like, none at all. Like, she's just getting to know her dad. I just find it very weird. Also, they were talking about Brittany's dad, and I... I'm a little unsure when they talk about Brittany's dad because, as you guys all know, Brittany has a different dad than uh, Brianna, and they didn't. Brittany didn't find this out until after uh, she was on. They were on family therapy on VH1 with Dr. Jen, not to be confused with Marriage Boot Camp on Oxygen Family Edition. That those are two different shows, and we found out that Brittany has a different dad than Brianna, but Brit, they're both past. I need I need a D. Jesus family historian to let me know. Is Brittany's dad is excuse me, is Brianna's dad still alive? Is Brittany's dad still alive? Brittany thought Brianna's dad was her dad. So when they talk about Brittany's dad, are they talking about the man who raised her, aka Brianna's dad? Or are they talking about her biological father? Does she know that? her biological father's family. They talk about that he was like very Puerto Rican and had goats um, and I guess lived in Puerto Rico. So I'm a little unclear on all of the family dynamics. And I would really like if somebody who watched all of Team Mom 3 and VH1's Couples Therapy recently could let a girl know exactly what is happening. I mean, it's, like, not a huge deal, and it really plays no relevancy on Team Mom 2, but I would just like to know. So, yeah, the trip looks nice. I love Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is beautiful. I went there for spring break my senior year. Um, It was great. I would love to go back my senior year of high school. So it was a long time ago, and I would really like to go back, and I like seeing it on Team Mom. And it was nice to see their whole family there. Stella is outrageously cute. But that's it. If they change that child's name, <laughs> that's the thing. Why are we even talking about this? Because it's not going to happen. I think every time they flash to it with Devon, he, like, feels the same as I do. So, in Leah's segment, Jeremy buys a house. It looks like a nice house from what we could see. Addie is over there. 
And Leah tells Jason that Jeremy is taking her more because of the conversation they had. And I'm like, is it? By the way, as I discussed last week, Jeremy, excuse me, Jason and Leah broke up. And Leah has been tagging Jeremy, like, nonstop on social media stuff, which to me definitely means that they're fucking again. Leah makes it so obvious when she's hooking up with Jeremy. (laughs) Like, so obvious. (laughs) They're all over social media together. They're flirting. And then the minute, like, one of them gets a significant other, it stops. And they're not into each other anymore. And it's just funny that, like, she spent this whole season talking shit on what an awful dad Jeremy is. And now she's, like, all over social media, like, tagging him and shit. Like, I see you, Leah. Jason is a creep. Remains to be a creep. He was on Leah's podcast this week, and I tried to listen to it. Yes, they released a podcast episode that was, I think, recorded at the end of February, and they released it after Jason and Leah broke up, which I thought was weird. And I tried to listen to it, and it was so boring. Like, I had to turn it off. I think I lasted 10 minutes. It was unbearable. It was so, so, so bad. Jason was just as much of a weirdo. Everybody was talking over each other because there were four people on the mic, which is like, ugh, way too many. There was another male, there's like a male co-host on Leah's podcast. I'm not sure why. And his voice sounded too similar to Jason's. I couldn't tell their voices apart. But I did, it did sound like Jason and Leah were living together because they were talking about how he's a morning person and like, She's a, not a morning person. Like, they, they were saying, like, in, when you, the person you live with isn't a morning person. And it's, like, the person you live with. <laughs> I really do believe that Jason and Leah have been living together since probably when her house was flooded. Actually, I bet they were living together before the house was flooded. And that's how she was able to, like, go so long without realizing her house was flooded. Um, I guess Leah's back to living in her house now. But Ry, what's his name? Rylan? Is it Ray? Oh, it's Raylan. Raylan's dad is out of the picture, but in this episode, do you guys ever see his fucked up teeth? Was it just me who noticed that? I had never noticed that before. And it wasn't great. It wasn't a great look. Jason is like, I'm so proud of you for talking to Jeremy. <laughs> Ugh, nothing in Leah's life makes sense to me this season. And that was it. That was literally all that happened. Also, Addie tells us that Jeremy's house has an automatic garage door opener, which you would think Jason's house has that. You would think Leah's house has that. Maybe Leah doesn't have a garage, and that's why Addie was surprised by it. And Grace, like, screamed over her, Grandpa's house has that! <laughs> oh, poor little Addie getting screamed over by Grace. <laughs> oh, that was it. Um, I really just want to see Jason and Leah break up. That's all I really care about for the next season, for the rest of the season, is their breakup and then possibly their get back together. Because as I said, remember, they break up like in November or October. Okay, Janelle. Literally, we get Janelle on the phone. I don't think we even saw her. That, it's crazy. It's crazy. We're getting her on phone calls. So... Barbara's in New York. She goes to meet up with Andrew at lunch and he never comes. <laughs> he calls her at one point and says that he, <laughs> he's like, I'm in Florida. My dad has stage three cancer and he's about to die. That's crazy. Barb flew to New York. There's no way that production didn't set everything up 
that Andrew and her would be meeting at the significant like specific time and he didn't confirm it with production like multiple times and then his ass gets on a plane to florida and barb's like but i want to talk to you about jace and he's like talk to me now and she's like okay he's smart he's funny he's a great kid he loves soccer (laughs) so weird uh barbara then asks andrew if anybody in his family is adhd and andrew's like i don't know but my mom's here you can talk to my mom (laughs) so barbara and Andrew's mom talk and they agree that Barbara like would bring Jace to Florida to meet Andrew's mom and like what is happening here what is happening where has Andrew's mom been for the last nine years remember if you guys will rewatch Janelle's 16 and pregnant episode like Barbara knew his parents like they knew each other his dad was in a lot of scenes um because his Andrew didn't have a license and lived kind of far away so his dad would like drive him around and Barbara would like had a couple scenes talking to his dad so they know Barbara his parents could have reached out to Barbara if they wanted to see Jace imagine having a grandkid on this earth that you just like don't have any contact with because your kid's a scumbag so weird I can't imagine that Barbara's like so confusing to me because she's like okay well Andrew's off the table but we're gonna go see his grandma it's like why I I don't know I don't I don't understand this storyline well I do they're doing this storyline because Janelle won't film and once again how are we gonna have a show without Janelle how are we gonna have a show without Janelle I don't I just don't know how we do this I don't know what the solution is for next season, but I am personally not interested in watching these, like, Andrew reconciliation storylines. I don't... first, And it's just fucked up. Like, we don't need to go see Jace and his grandma for the first time on TV. That's not fair to Jace. Barbara calls Janelle to tell her about, like, Andrew standing her up, and Janelle's talking a mile a minute. Did you realize that? She, like, interjects right away and is like, I know, blah, 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 like, goes off right away. And it's like, girl chill chill i can't believe that mt i'm like that mtv didn't realize that andrew like flew to florida <laughs> that's crazy that that happened imagine how pissed you would be if you came to new york and the person you were meeting just like stood you up i guess i guess barbara got a free trip to new york and they're also like not telling jace about any of this which i guess makes sense but It's just a dud. It's a dud of a storyline. Total dud. Okay, here's my thing about Chelsea. Even though... (laughs) I think... Chelsea and Cole were in the right. I find them so fucking annoying. (laughs) I'm sorry. I do. They're extremely annoying. So, the beginning of the episode, Chelsea lets us know... I'm still open to Cole adopting Aubrey, but we're going to let her bring it up. And it's like, yeah, bitch, we know you're open to it. We know. (laughs) So Aubrey has her monthly visitation with the Lynn's and she goes there for the night and Donna sends Chelsea a text that says Adam showed up. You have to come get her. You can come get her now. Cole immediately starts cursing. Oh, what the fuck? And his baby voice. Cole getting worked up is a real, it's a real sight to behold. I'm not sure, like, what feelings I'm supposed to have. The 
the whole Facebook commenting internet was like, goals. I love how much Cole loves everybody. But like, I don't know. I found this scene so annoying because, okay, here's how I would have handled this. If I'm Chelsea, because Chelsea's like, should I text her back? Because we all know Chelsea's a little bitch when it comes to Donna. Do you guys remember when Donna confronted Chelsea in court and Chelsea cried and was like, she was so mean to me and wouldn't talk to her. And then when Donna came to the house to talk to her and apologize, Chelsea wouldn't answer the door because Cole was going to the bathroom and she would not talk to Donna herself. Yeah, I'm like heavily team Donna did the wrong thing in this episode, but Chelsea needs to grow a fucking backbone. This is how it should have been handled. Chelsea should have responded to Donna's text and said, okay, we are coming to get her. When Cole gets her, he'll text you and please bring her out to the car or send Aubrey out to the car. Okay, am I the only one who when my parents came and picked me up from place as a child, like your dad just sat in the driveway and laid on the horn and you were expected to find your way out to his car? Like nobody went to a door to get me. <laughs> in Hell Hath No Fury, like my father, if you did not know that his he was out there beeping his horn and he had to actually get out of his car. But like, that fact that Cole just, like, rushes over there to get her, which I'm not saying is wrong. Like, of course he should have went and picked her up. Like, they violated the visitation order. He needs to go get her. But I don't understand why Chelsea doesn't send a text back to send a text back that says, Donna, Cole's coming to get her right now. We would appreciate it if when he gets there, Cole will honk for her and she'll come out to the car. I don't understand why Cole needed to go and speak to any of the Lynn's. It doesn't make sense to me. First of all, it's not his place. Sorry, not sorry. He's not her father. Cole is, yes, Cole and Chelsea are married. It's totally fine that he went to get her. But I don't understand, like, why he is the one that speaks to Donna. Well, I do understand. The reason is because Chelsea's a little bitch and won't do it herself. But, like, I don't understand why. If I'm Chelsea, I send a text that says, like, Donna, this is really inappropriate. Cole is coming to get her. Um... And I'm going to have to speak with my lawyer about these visitations because you know that this violates the order. It's so, it's so simple. But Chelsea, like, has to make it this big thing because she, at least this is what I think, she wants Cole to go over there, not cause a scene, but confront them for her. And then she wants him to come home and explain it all on camera what happened so that everybody can get online and talk about how great Cole is. So I, like, tried to transcribe closely to what Cole said happened. Um, not, I didn't do it word for word, but this is basically what he said. Because he gets home, they send Aubrey downstairs so that Chelsea and Cole can talk. And they go, first of all, Chelsea and Cole's couch is so ugly. Did you guys, the back, the back of the couch is like a headboard for a bed, but like an outdated headboard? Ugh, not cute. Chelsea's the worst style. Okay, she, Cole says, Okay, pull up. This is going to go one of two ways. There's either, it's either going to be civil or I don't know. A lot of their family, one of me. I guess they're having some sort of family party. Editor's note. I walked right to the door and knocked on it. His dad was over there and his brothers, but I didn't say anything. She was saying something like, I don't understand why she has to leave. Obviously, she said it right in front of her. I was annoyed. Then she said, Okay, so where will she be later when I can pick her up? And I said, yeah, that's not going to happen. And she said, but why? It's our weekend. And I said, yeah, but you obviously can't follow the rules. And she said that she didn't know it was a rule. She thought it was just something from you and Chelsea. She didn't know it was a court rule. She thought it was just a you and Chelsea rule. 
I looked at her and said, it's a court order. Then they both said, it's our weekend. Cole, or I was like, I don't care. This could have easily been avoided. And they asked how. And then Aubrey said, I know how this could have been avoided. We could have been there at different times. I told Aubrey on the car ride home how it's not fair that she has to go through this. Now, that's crazy. Like, what happened? And the Lynn's fucked up. And personally, what I think is, I think the Lynn's are trying to push as far, like, as they can to see what the response is. I don't know. I think it's so weird that they would text Chelsea and say, like, Adam's here, so you have to come get her. And then when they come to get her, be, like, confused about why they had to come get her. Something, it doesn't make sense. As I've said a million times on the show, I don't really like to judge the lens because we don't have any sort of idea of what is happening from their side. We only have Chelsea's side. And personally, I don't necessarily believe Chelsea and Cole are reliable narrators. You know, he comes to the door, like, even in Cole's story, he's like, I don't know if it's going to be a confrontation or what. And it's like, okay, what? So you did know it was going to be a confrontation. Because, like, when you lead with, like, well, I didn't know if it was going to be a confrontation, that means, like, you're gearing up. And for him to be like, I was so annoyed that Donna was talking about this in front of Aubrey. It's like, okay, but you were talking in front of it and talking about it in front of Aubrey too. Like, why would Cole sit there and engage his conversation? As I said, Cole should have honked his horn and Aubrey should have came out to the car. But if that wasn't the case, as soon as Aubrey came to the door, Cole should have said, okay, Aubrey, go into the car. I'm going to talk to grandma real quick. Like, Cole had the ability to make sure that Aubrey was not there. And this happens all the time on this show where they kind of want to tell us that these, like, series of events just, like, happen and none of the adults in this situation have, like, any power over how they happen. But there are a million ways that Cole could have prevented Aubrey from hearing any of this, especially if Donna is as bad as they say she is. You know, like, if Donna is the person that Cole and Chelsea have billed her to be, for the last however many seasons, wouldn't his first instinct be to, like, send Aubrey to the car and make her get in the car before Donna even has the chance to talk? I don't understand why he, like, agreed to engage in this conversation. Or he could have just picked up Aubrey and said, okay, Donna, Chelsea's gonna call you when we get home and walk to the car and refuse to have a conversation with her. So when I hear an adult say, like, I was so annoyed that she wanted to have this conversation in front of Aubrey, but then at the same time, they're explaining how they engaged in that conversation in front of Aubrey. It's like, dude, be the bigger person and shut down the conversation. I think it's very clear that Cole went over there looking to fight with the Lins. Like, not physically fight. Like, I don't think Cole went over there, like, looking to, like, battle it out. But I think he went over there looking to confront them. And I think he knew damn well he was going to do so in front of Aubrey. So for Cole and Chelsea to kind of pretend, like... Oh, this conversation just happened and I had no control over it happening is to me like, no, that's not accurate. Like at least own up to the fact that you actively had a conversation with Donna in front of Aubrey and that you were a full participant in said conversation. And that's what I mean by like Chelsea and Cole are in the right, but they're so fucking annoying about the way they go about it because the Lynn's absolutely violated the custody agreement in this scene. A hundred percent. If I was Chelsea, I would be on the phone with my lawyer right then. What the Lynn should have done is the minute that Adam showed up, told him he could not come in their home and that he needed to leave and that he was not invited there. I'm wondering if uh, Adam lives there and usually leaves that like overnight, you know, the once overnight and he just came home. 
But, like, if I'm the lens, I'm telling him to get the fuck off my property. And if he tries to come back, like, I'm going to have to call the police. Like, the lens are so in the wrong here. There's no reason that Adam should have been there. They get her for such a, they get her probably for, like, 12 hours a month. You know, from, like, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. the next day. Well, probably more, like. 16 hours like they probably get her at like 4 or 5 p.m on saturday and she's dropped off by like 10 or 11 on sunday like they get her for such a short amount of time the fact that they could not control adam showing up kind of shows that like they are they don't care about the court order they're being negligent and if i was chelsea and Cole, i'd be fucking livid too but I just don't like that they act like they are such a victim in this situation and that they have no control over what the Lins do, which, well, they don't. They don't have control over what the Lins do, but they, like, have to engage in these conversations with the Lins. That's not a factual statement, and Chelsea and Cole could have absolutely handled this better. Like, why was, if I was Chelsea, like I said, I would have either texted Donna back or I would have called Donna and had that conversation with her myself as soon as I got that call that text so there would be no conversation for Cole and Donna to have because her and I would have already had that discussion I would have already let her know that my lawyers are involved now because this is inappropriate and you violated a court order but Chelsea's such a baby that she has to have Cole do it and Cole is kind of obsessed with like being this hero to Aubrey and proving to Aubrey like how bad of a dad Adam is and how great of a dad he is and don't come and try and tell me that that's not the case because Cole is a little savior and he gets off on the fact that he saved Chelsea and Aubrey from Adam and no one will convince me otherwise so yeah it just like just frustrating and Chelsea's like we're just gonna have to take a break for a while but first of all what does that mean you can't they have a court-ordered custody agreement. So just like Donna violated the court-ordered custody agreement at this visitation, if Chelsea doesn't send Aubrey, then she's violating the court order, as far as we know. I wonder if maybe in the court order it says, like, visits are at the discretion of the parent. Because that is possible. You know, it's possible that, like, there is an overriding clause that Chelsea's allowed to violate or end, suspend or end the grandparents' visitations at any point if it's in the best interest of Aubrey. That is absolutely possible. If I was Chelsea making that agreement, I would have asked for something like that to be put in the agreement. But as far as we know, that, that that's not the case. So when she's like, we're going to have to take a break, we're going to have to take a break. I'm like, can you just take a break? <laughs> like, If this is a court order, then lawyers must be involved and you need to get in front of a judge or a mediator to agree to this break. I just thought it was weird that she kept saying that we're going to have to take a break. Also, how fucking sad is it that Cole and Donna are going back and forth in this and Donna, like, basically forces Aubrey's hand into explaining that, like, her dad can't be there. Like, that's fucked up. The Lynn's majorly fucked up. Majorly fucked up. You know, I have a lot of compassion for the Lynn's because it's very, very hard to have a child who is an addict. And by all accounts, they have three other normal sons who have normal families. And I can't imagine how much they're hurting over the fact that Paisley was adopted and is no longer legally their granddaughter. I, as I would imagine, Aubrey's suffering a loss. The Lynns are suffering a loss over that. And I understand why they want to basically force Adam to still be in Aubrey's life so that that can't happen again. Because remember, guys, the Lynns had Aubrey every other weekend of her entire life. 
You know, they have been an extremely active part in Aubrey's life. So I do have compassion for them, but for them to allow Adam into the home while Aubrey is there. And we find out from Aubrey that at like she spent time with him. They did not send him away. They did not make him wait in the car until Chelsea showed up to get her. And so for them to like so flagrantly violate the court order, if I'm Chelsea, like those visitations are fucking done. They're done. I'm back in court. And as soon as my lawyer can get me into court modif- asking for a modification on that agreement, because it's so inappropriate for them to, like, just so, to just violate the court order and just not give a fuck. And then to say to Cole, like, I thought it was just a you and Chelsea rule. Like, we all know that that's not the case because Donna was in court that day because she confronted Chelsea that day and Chelsea cried about Donna being mean to her. So... I mean, it doesn't make the lens look great. I will say this episode does not make the lens look great. And Chelsea needs to be on the phone with her lawyer, which I'm assuming we'll hear about, or I hope we'll hear about next week. I couldn't believe that that wasn't the next voiceover was like, I talked to my lawyer and we're going to do this. Like, I I was really shocked, actually, that that wasn't kind of the next scene. The next scene is Aubrey with Mary. (laughs) Luck. Is Chelsea a bitch to Mary? Yeah. But does Mary overstep her shit? Uh, yeah. I think so. And I think Chelsea's probably not wrong when she says that her mom pushes. (laughs) Because I think that that is what she does. And you know what? I did respect Chelsea in that last scene with her mom when she told her mom to back the fuck off. And that it wasn't her place. Now, I think she could have said it in a little more direct way. In a more, said it as a more firm boundary because I think she's just like, Mom, stop. No. But I did appreciate the fact that she set that boundary. I think that's hard. It's weird. Mary seems to be the only person in Chelsea's life with who she can set boundaries with. <laughs> she doesn't seem to be able to do it with anybody else. So Aubrey and Mary are alone in the car and we got a scene of them, which I thought was kind of weird. And Mary asked how her weekend was with the Lynns. And I was like, did Mary know? <laughs> I'm guessing Chelsea told her, and then Mary still is like, how was it? (laughs) That's what I mean by Mary clearly overstepping her boundaries. And um, Aubrey says that she had to leave early, but they played ping pong for a little bit. And Aubrey said he seemed okay, which was, like, sad. And Mary's like, I bet he missed you, huh? Which... I don't think Mary has bad intentions. I think that she wanted to have that conversation so she could talk about the fact that, like, Adam still loves her, but he's just not well. And that's, like, what she explains to Chelsea when (laughs) she said she talks to Aubrey about adoption, (laughs) which is so bad. (laughs) I don't mean to laugh, but, like, Mary is so overstepping her bounds when she does that. But she's not wrong when she says that, like, she needs to explain it to Aubrey that, like, Adam still loves her. He's just not fit to care for her. I think that's where Mary is completely right. And like I said, I don't think... I think that Mary sees that Chelsea is unable to explain to Aubrey, like, what an adoption would mean and, like, really what's going on with Adam. I think she sees that Chelsea isn't very good at that, which I think at least I agree with. I've been ranting about that for however many years on here. So I think Mary sees that there's like a, a void inability there. Void inability does not make sense as a sentence, I don't think, but let's just roll with it. 
And so she thinks that she's going to help Chelsea <laughs> by explaining to Aubrey what it really means. But it where she's overstepping is that that's not her responsibility or her place. And, you know, Chelsea gets to be the one to do that. Even if Mary and me, Mary and I, even if I don't think that she's doing a very good job doing it. So Chelsea is like, Mom, we want Cole to adopt her, but we want it to come from Aubrey. And Mary's like, well, you know, when I bring it up to her, (laughs) and Chelsea's like, stop. (laughs) Chelsea really wants Aubrey to come to the decision herself, and she says she knows what she's doing. I personally don't think she knows what she's doing just because I don't have a lot of trust in Chelsea's ability to have uh, deep discussions with anyone. But I agree that it's not Mary's place to do so. Mary needs to back the fuck off. And I will say I was proud of Chelsea for telling Mary to back the fuck off. Good for her. She set a boundary and I hope they stick to it. And Mary needs to really respect that. And I think that that's always been a problem with Chelsea and Mary. She said before, like, she gets frustrated with her mom because her mom will bring up Adam on camera when she doesn't want him brought up. And I think uh, Mary takes producer suggestions in a way that really frustrates Chelsea. And I can see Mary doing that. So I have a lot of empathy for Chelsea there. But for my entertainment-wise, I am glad she does it. So, yeah, Chelsea needs to talk to Grandma Donna herself. She needs to talk to her lawyer. She needs... I'm not saying Cole should not be involved at all because Cole is her husband and I don't think it was necessarily inappropriate for Cole to go over there and pick up Aubrey, but I just think that inserting Cole into this creates more drama than there has to be. So yeah, that's it. Follow me on Instagram. Maybe next week I'll be back with a vintage TBT episode. We'll see, you know, what the episode brings us. If it's like a fucking slamming episode, then I can talk about it. If it's not... Maybe a little throwback. Anyway, have a good week, guys. Love you. Bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards www.patreon.com slash ebpsychode